Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Our text for our sermon is Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is anyone who trusts in mankind, who seeks his strength from human flesh, and who turns his heart away from the Lord. He will be like a juniper bush in the wasteland. He will not see good things when they come. He lives in a dry place in the wilderness, in a salty land where no one lives. But blessed is anyone who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends out its roots to the stream. It does not fear the heat when it comes. Its leaves will remain green. It is not concerned about a time of drought. It does not stop producing fruit. This is the word of our Lord. In our assigned gospel lesson for this Sunday, in Luke chapter 6, verse 22, part of the famous Beatitudes that Jesus speaks, he says, Blessed are you whenever people hate you, and whenever they exclude and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. What? You're blessed because you're a Christian? And people hate you for being a Christian? Come on, you can, you can listen to preachers all over the place and hear sermons all the time where if you just give your heart to Jesus and oftentimes maybe separate the contents of your wallet towards them, then God's going to make you healthy, wealthy, wise, and things are just going to be fantastic in life. If you just follow their 12-step program. But Jesus says the opposite. You're blessed when people hate you because you're his? How can you call that blessed? Jeremiah has a ministry in which he is telling people, that's it, God's had enough. He's lifting his hand of protection and the Babylonians are coming. They're going to destroy everything. But in today's text, he's clearly calling some people blessed there too. Men like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Ezekiel, who will be hauled off into exile. And let's admit it, we live here in America where we have freedom of religion, but there are a lot of famous people, a lot of pundits, a lot of scientists who, they really despise your Christianity. And sadly, because of some Christians, they often think of us all as being a bunch of backwoods people that just completely deny science. Although lots of times they miss that what they're calling science is actually just their religion as well. We have people type things up on, on Facebook or Twitter, other forms of social media, and suddenly they get fired for comforting somebody with God's love. How can you call this blessed? Well, that's our sermon theme for today. How can you call this blessed? As I said, Jeremiah is sent to tell the people who are, they're not repenting anyways, but God's had enough. God's had enough of your false worship and the Babylonians are coming. And we're told in verse 5, this is what the Lord has said. Cursed is the man, and the Hebrew word used here is a young man who's in the prime of his youth. He has strength and vigor that youth has. He, he doesn't have arthritis. He doesn't have back pains from a body that's been beat up in this world subject to decay. So it's cursed is the man in the prime of his youth who keeps on being confident in mankind and keeps on placing flesh as his arm and keeps on turning his heart away from the Lord. There's a lot that's said there. The word that I translate as, as humankind or mankind there, that's from Adam, which, you know, Adam was the first man. But after the fall, it really emphasizes human beings tainted with sin. 
Where is he placing his confidence? Well, he's placing his confidence in human beings, in mankind. And what is more, it says, and keeps on placing flesh as his arm. Now, that might not make sense to us because we don't talk that way in English today. But as we confess in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus has ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, your, your, your arm is your power and your strength. This is what you use to clear tables. This is what you use to wield a sword. He's not turning to the Lord to be the one who protects him and his strength. He's turning to flesh. Now, a young man in his prime with a good work ethic, when hard times come, says, you know, it's financially things are draining, I'll work more overtime. I'll keep punching through. I will just work harder. I will get another job. I'll just muscle through this. I can say that because I've been there when I was a young man in his prime. But our bodies give out. This is why we end up with some of the aches and pains when we're older. Sad to say here, there were too many people in in, uh, Judah, in the capital of Jerusalem, that they were depending on human beings to bail them out from the Babylonians. And a good example of that, the last good believing king that would sit on the throne was Josiah. Josiah was already dead when Jeremiah writes these words. But Josiah, even though he had faith and, and, and did great reforms, He was somewhat of a vessel to the Assyrian Empire. And when the Egyptians came, he felt he needed to to show loyalty to the Assyrians and and fight against the Egyptians. And he ended up killed in battle. Well, his son, Jehoiakim, is king when Jeremiah writes this prophecy. He'll be king for 11 years. When the Babylonians come, they'll even leave him as king until he rebels. But the sad thing is he's depending on Egypt to protect him from Babylon. Wait, wait, wait. You're protecting on the very army that had killed your father? You already see foolishness there. They would let him down because the Babylonians were going to conquer the Assyrians and they would take care of the Egyptians as well. He's not the first one to do this. In fact, uh, Ahaz was the king that Isaiah went to. He uh, knew that, the, that he was going to be attacked by several of his neighbors, and he had depended on the Assyrians. He had, thought he had a deal with them coming. When God sends Isaiah to him and says, hey, you know, don't even worry about that. I'm going to take care of it. And, and because I know you don't trust in me, you ask for a sign, any sign. And what does Ahaz say? Ahaz tries to sound like pious because he's trusting in the Assyrians. He says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And Isaiah says to him, how long will you test the Lord? And he says, since you won't ask, the Lord's going to give you a sign anyways. The virgin will be with child. And you will call him Emmanuel, which we know from means God is with us. Hezekiah had also trusted in the Babylonians. When they had come, he was trusting in them to help him with the Assyrians. And so instead of trusting in the Lord, instead of showing them things like the temple where he could share with them the good news of the coming Savior, he showed him his treasury. God sent Isaiah to tell Hezekiah, oh, why did you have to do that? While Hezekiah was also a believer, he was trusting in human beings. Time and time again, these people failed him. Humans will fail you. And it's very interesting. The name used for the Lord here is from that Hebrew verb being, Yahweh. And it emphasizes God exists in and of himself. You've heard me say in other sermons, there have been times I've promised people and I have every intention of keeping my promise. 
then something else happens. Circumstances beyond my control, and I have to break my promise. See, that doesn't happen to God. He exists in and of himself. When he promises you that he's your strength, when he promises you that he's working behind the scenes for you, there's no point in in stressing about it. He's got it. In fact, that's where we find out what real faith is because we'll want to turn around and run to human beings because it often seems like God has, has forgotten about us or has ignored us. Human beings, they'll fail us. I think we've seen that a lot in the news. There's been so much with COVID that we didn't understand. There's been so much panic. And listening to the science, you finally say, which scientist? And are we getting all the scientific reports? I don't want to get in the politics of all that. But we often have scientists conflicting with scientists. And some of them, you can tell there's a political agenda on either side. Human beings will fail you. Even human beings who mean to be there for you. Circumstances beyond their control, their youthful vigor wears out, their prestige, their power, their reputations don't extend as far as needed, and they let you down. God won't. Cling to God's promises. How can you call this blessed? Well, the other thing that that he says that we want to deal with, we go back to the last third of verse 5, he says, and he keeps on turning his heart away from the Lord. In other words, his love is not for the spiritual. It's not for God. His love is on the things of this world. As Martin Luther said in his large catechism, uh, dealing with the first commandment, whatever you turn to as the source of all your good, well, that's your God. Too many people think the lottery is their God. Too many people think their power, their reputation, their health, etc. is their God. And the devil uses this world to lure us away. But what happens? And a person might think they love God. It's too easy for us to do with our sinful nature. What happens, though, when we start clinging to the things of this world, to to the relationships, to governments instead of God? Well, we're told. And so he keeps on being like a bush. That seems to be a, a kind of a juniper bush in the desert. And he doesn't see that good time and time again comes. And so he keeps on dwelling in the parched places of the wilderness. And hence is uninhabited, salty land. Jeremiah makes quite a comparison to the heart of the person who has not set their heart on God. Today, we would probably use the analogy of zombies because of our horror films, but he uses that analogy. He lives in an area, what what happens with a bush like that? Well, it looks dry and withered, its growth is stunted, and occasionally it gets the rain just enough to cling on. Dear listener, haven't you been there in this world? You're clinging to things that you desperately need, just having enough income. And it's like you're trying to hold water between your fingers. And no matter how tight you hold it, it starts sliding through and it starts evaporating. Time and time again, if that's what we're coming to, it'll fail us down. Now, certainly not everybody in that way understands this because some people, they have lots of money to go around, don't they? They seem to be doing well. But unfortunately, they're dry ground. They're not going to live to eternity. They're not members of the invisible church. They're going to end up in hell. And that's all they have in this life. And sometimes God gives them that to give them a more cush life here because they insist on refusing him. A heart set on anything other than God will die. The vehicles we need to get us to work, the houses we need to protect us, the air conditioning and the heating, the clothes on our back, they all wear out. And we constantly chase after one one thing after the other, always thirsty, never seeing the good. 
Men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their hearts were set on God and they refused, for example, to pray to a false God. And yeah, they ended up seeming to be punished, but in their particular case, God protected them. God had a plan. They left a witness. How can you call this blessed, this when people hate you or when, this, when you're a Christian or in the world and God says, yeah, crosses are going to come upon you. And it seems so much like God hates us. Well, it's because human beings will fail us. And because a heart set on other things, that heart will die. It's not going to live to eternity. It is going to see disappointment. If it doesn't see it time and time again in this life, which it usually does, it will see it in eternity. But now we're told the opposite. We go back to that same young man in the prime of his youth who could muscle through things in many ways. Verse 7 says, The man in his prime is blessed, who keeps on being confident in the Lord, and his confidence keeps on being the Lord. Once again, the name for the Lord that's used here is the one who exists in and of himself, who's absolutely faithful to his promises. He says, You were baptized. I sealed my Holy Spirit in there. Keep your confidence in me. It might seem like the world is tearing you down. And that's actually faith. Faith is clinging to God's promises when it seems like God's taking a snooze. When it seems like he hates us. When it seems like he's not noticing us at all or doing the opposite. The man in the prime of his youth who could count on his youthful vigor. But trust in the Lord. In good stewardship, he'll use his youthful vigor. It's interesting It was 15 years ago, the last time that I preached on this text. At the time, my office was in the home and my wife had stepped out for a doctor's appointment. Uh, She was about a month and a half away from delivering our youngest child. I remember translating the Hebrew and everything and and, and I had the office door open watching our oldest child, watching television, having to keep an eye on and say, boy, she's, she's not coming back from that doctor's appointment. Boy, she's not coming back from that doctor's appointment. And then finally the phone rang. Toxemia was killing her, was killing the child. They were loading her up in an ambulance. She was going to the big city to a hospital that would take care of her and and prayerfully save the child as well. A lot happened in a very short amount of time. We were told that that child would be in the neonatal intensive care unit for a month and a half till he reached what was supposed to be his proper birth date. Many people tried to comfort me and tell me, you are in from the region, you got the best doctors, the best neonatal intensive care. And it was brand new thanks to a man who had donated generously to that hospital. And I was thankful for those doctors and they did a fantastic job. But my confidence wasn't, wow, I got some of the best doctors in the region. My confidence was in the Lord. I told the doctors, when this child comes out, you're going to be trying to save his life. But especially if things look bad, you need to step aside. Give me three seconds to baptize this child. In good stewardship, I used those doctors. I was thankful, but I saw God behind the scenes. The people who would be hauled off into exile like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Ezekiel, they would know that God had said this is going to happen and it would seem like they were being punished. They would cling to the Lord. And what I'm getting at, and this is why Jesus can say, even in Luke 6, verse 22, you're blessed when people hate you is because... If God hadn't given you the faith, and this is where a lot of Christians get it wrong because they think faith is here. It's a decision they make, but it's very clear in the Bible time and time again, that would be a work. Works don't save us. Read Galatians, read Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10. 
Faith is the Holy Spirit living here. He's given you a new person. So God first has to bless you by giving you the Holy Spirit so that you know Jesus is your Savior, so that you know that Jesus is ruling over all creation for you, so that you're able to cling to God even when the world and the devil are throwing their worst at you, even when it seems like they're working against you. And in fact, lots of times God is using those times to strengthen you and show you that you're clinging to him. How can you call this blessed? Because it is a blessing from God to actually trust in the Lord. So because it's a blessing to trust in the Lord. Now, instead of that, con, that, that picture of a desert, you actually can read a lot of Psalm 1 here in verse 8. We're told, and so he is like a tree that is planted near water. The Hebrew preposition is literally a pond. So if it's a lake or a sea, it's a lake, it's right there on, on, the, on the shoreline. And then he says the same thing of a river near a pond, a stream right there on the bank. It sends out its roots and it doesn't fear when heat comes. And so its leaf is flourishing. And in a year of scarcity, he does not worry and it doesn't stop from producing fruit. There are a lot of creek beds and stuff like that in Wyoming that in the middle of the summertime, especially in dry summers, you see they are just bone dry. But a lot of the rivers like the Tigris and the Euphrates that were the, the fertile crescent that were the cradle of civilization, their source is way far away from uh, where they flow through in Iraq where the Mesopotamians and stuff were. Their source is, is from high mountains. So you can have a drought there and still have plenty of water flowing through that river. And that's the picture that's used here. The river is God's word. It's his means of grace. And this is one of the reasons why when somebody's not coming to worship at all, they're not coming to the word, even though they one time knew the Lord. This is why we don't just want to jump up and scream, hey, you need to get to church and we're excommunicating you or something like that, because they're turning into that desert land. They're not seeing the good. God is sending you with his word. To nourish them and keep them alive. Come on, grow your roots over here. Come back. But there is a wonderful blessing. I've learned lots of times when the hard times come in life and, and you start wondering. You think you're getting ahead financially and then politically something happens and there's a different taxation policy or there's inflation or, some, or, or your 401k goes. So often it's so wonderful to just open up the word of God and hear God say, you know, you can die without a 401k and I can still provide for you. No. 401ks didn't exist when the Bible was written, but you get the gist there. While God's word is constantly nourishing you, your faith is kept flourishing to cling to God. And so even in a time like when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are hauled off into exile, and they're told, you got to eat this diet that violates your religion, your ceremonial cleanliness. They said, no, give us a chance. If we, don't, if, if we stay healthy, then our God is blessing us. And if not, then it's clear our God isn't. And, and, and God ended up blessing them. They stayed planted there in the word. And they didn't have the Bible the way you and I do today. It was what they had heard in the temple and, and, and could retain in their memories. But they clung to that promise and they meditated on it. Because even in hard times, when you're clinging to the word of God, he's keeping your new person nourished. Now, this uses a young man in his, in his youth, in his vigor, in his prime. Same thing is true for women. When hard times come, who are, who are nourished by the word, they're, they're by that stream that's never going to dry up. God's going to keep them and preserve them. And even if you get killed for being a Christian, God says, I'm giving you heaven. He has allowed that. Otherwise, I'm putting you there to make a witness for others. It's because even in hard times, you will be safe. Plus, 
Blessed are you whenever people hate you and whenever they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. How can you call that blessed? Because you would give up your faith. You would have never come to the faith if the Lord hadn't already blessed you. And because you're his child, because his blood is all over you, because you're wearing the white robe of his righteousness, the devil has sent them to rage against you. But God says, I'll keep you strong. You are blessed. Blessed because your confidence is in the Lord of all creation, the one who took on human flesh to save you, the one who entered your heart to give you faith, the one who planned all of this out to keep you and bring you safe into the eternal uh, home in, in the new heavens and the new earth he promised you. And he's keeping you safe so that you arrive safely there. He's ruling over creation, like I said, for you to bring you into the faith and keep you in the faith. In the meantime, we have that sinful nature and it often sometimes stumbles along the way. So Jesus remains our intercessor who keeps pouring his blood upon us and keeps forgiving us. How can you call this blessed? Because human beings will fail you. Because a heart set on other things than God, when those things are the top priority, that heart's going to die. Because it's a blessing that God has given you that you're able to trust in him. To cling to it even when it seems like the opposite is true. God has blessed you to give you. That is faith. And, it's, and, you're, and because even in hard times, God will use his word to nourish that faith and keep you strong to the end. Amen. Let us conclude our sermon with prayer. Lord God, you have planted us like trees beside streams of water. Grant that we may ever delight in your word and yield abundant fruit in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord. Amen.